Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode six of the Real Professional Podcast. Uh, we are recording this intro later than we recorded the episode because due to an audio issue, we are not able to bring you the interview portion that was previously scheduled. So this episode is a bit shorter, and it is all a rant on Blizzard and what has happened uh, with Blizzard. We were originally trying to figure out if we wanted to put a new guest at the end of this episode, but we figured that since this is largely a dig at Blizzard's financial practices and their uh, actions in China, it was going to be too difficult to get a new guest that would be willing to possibly stake their career off of being attached to a long rant against Blizzard's practices. So uh, you can be sure that we're not censoring ourselves in this one and the things that we say about the Blizzard controversy. Also, a quick uh, addendum to uh, the the podcast. I need to make a quick correction before we start. During the course of the discussion, I say that Blitz, Blitz Chung, the Hearthstone player that came out uh, against China, I said that he came out for China. What I meant to say was that he came out as pro Hong Kong. Uh, if you listen to the content of our podcast, it is clear that I did not mistake the content of what he was saying. I just misspoke during the episode. So please, in the first uh, few minutes when I say Blitz Chung came out as pro China, I meant to say pro Hong Kong, and uh, just keep that in mind. I believe I said something incorrect too, maybe about, well, I don't know, because I don't, I stand by it and I do not redact my uh, comments. So I just doubled, assume that everything that Jesse down. says could potentially be wrong in this episode. But it's not. But it's not. I, yeah. All right. I'm never wrong. Drop okay. that sick beat! Alrighty, so we are, uh, we've, we've, between the, uh, editorial staff here, decided to cut the what we've been playing portion of the podcast. So that means that we're going to go straight into news, 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 news. And of all the news, 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 news out there, there is really only one story that is dominating, uh, the current. The news, news, news. The news, news, news. The current news, news, news. Uh, and this might be an old story, depending on, uh, how quickly the world collapses. And we edit these in about a week. But uh, presently, everyone's talking about uh, Blizzard and how Blizzard is exploding because uh, they would rather, as South Park put it, uh, suckle on the warm teat of Chinese money than uh, possess any kind of integrity. So I was uh, trying to figure out who we were going to bring on to talk about this. And I thought none better than the Dread XP's senior Blizzard correspondent, Matthew Meyer over here. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm doing good. I would say imploding is a better word. Yeah? Imploding. Why Why would you classify it as such? The All of the different levels of what's happening with Blizzard really can be attributed to a lot of choices they're making. And one of the major choices they have is they're actually downsizing staff. And a lot of the major creators that have made Blizzard iconic over the last few years have been leaving. Um, and every time they do, it makes a big headline. So I would say more imploding because they've just downsized a lot of their resource allocation for the things that made Blizzard 
the iconic Western gaming company. Yeah, so for those of you that don't know, Blizzard is a video game company that makes such hit titles as Diablo Immortal for your iPhone. Uh, <laughs> they also made uh, Lost Vikings, a very popular kind of DOS puzzle game. Classic. Yeah, and... Um, what were the other ones? Warcraft 2 Beyond the Dark Portal, ah. the, war- the expansion to the popular uh, StarCraft franchise. That's really all that's worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah, nothing else. Um, they also made Warcraft 3, and then they also made Warcraft 3. They're also known for making World of Warcraft, and then recently they released World of Warcraft. So, you know, hopefully they'll be releasing their uh, anticipated hit StarCraft uh, pretty soon. Maybe, uh, Maybe they'll be released an expansion for that called brood wars at some point in the future who knows really the the future is so open for this company that's that's known for its creative and not at all uh nostalgia baiting design this bit might be too esoteric for somebody who doesn't already know about blizzard i think everyone knows (laughs) about blizzard at this point i mean how could you not know about blizzard like even with all of the things happening with their major ips blizzard still remains the most profitable um, Western gaming company because of what they're doing with their market share overseas. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, there's a bit of backstory here. Matt and I actually know each other. We met through World of Warcraft. That's depressing. Yeah, it is a little bit depressing, <laughs> but all great relationships eventually start when a, a tank and a healer just hit it off. And see, in the, but in this situation, I was like the weird, uh, the polycule third because Matt was playing a druid, so he's both tank and healer. And I was just the weird <laughs> DPS jerking off in the background, hoping for all the best drops, which is can basically love, how you play it. Can love Loom on the battlefield. <laughs> if, if you remember, it was Burning Crusade, and you were a warlock tank for one dungeon. Yes, I was uh, the. No, well, there was two fights. There was the uh, the SSC. Uh, the Serpent Shrine Caverns, or no, not Serpent Shrine Caverns. What was it? Yeah, the one with uh, the. I was the Warlock tank for that fight, and then there was another in Tempest Keep that was another yeah. Warlock tank fight. So Kaelfoss, of mm-hmm. course, Tempest Keep. So I was a very important part of the raid team, responsible for all such activities like tanking those two specific fights and providing health stones and soul stones as needed. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, we know each other from back when a lot of people would be considered would consider the old the good old days of of World of Warcraft. Well, I mean that's a really good point, and I think one of the major reasons the Western audience is a little bit frustrated with Blizzard or a lot frustrated is because they were at the forefront of people designing social groups around games like Battle.net when they released it in you know the late nineties. Diablo 2 became a place where people would hang out with their friends after school when their mom was like, no, you can't go to so-and-so's house. Mm-hmm. And people would look to Blizzard and be like, where is my next you know, campfire that all my friends are going to gather around Blizzard? Can you please provide it? And the choices they've made moving into the future, they haven't provided that in a long time. And so people have gotten you know, frustrated with that yeah and i definitely there's definitely this golden age of blizzard that like pops out in your head when you're thinking about the diablo 2 age personally for me it was like the warcraft 3 era when they had those custom map settings i mean if you just want to talk about the influence that blizzard has had over the gaming industry like the custom map settings created dota dota comes from a warcraft 3 mod tower defense all these kinds of different 
customizable. It, it was so like the the custom map settings really were the source engine of the strategy game era, where you just saw all these modifications, weird new maps come out. But instead of having to go to some shady website to download a resource pack that would only work, you know, once out of every three times. And if you had a different voice line than the server, you'd get disconnected, as was the case in Counter-Strike. In uh, Warcraft, there was this whole infrastructure where you just, you, you joined the server, and if you didn't have the map, you downloaded it immediately. And it created this really great ecosystem of uh, custom maps. And around this time also is when I started playing... Uh, World of Warcraft Burning Crusade, which is like probably the reason I didn't go to Harvard is because of Burning Crusade. I'm going to blame it on that. <laughs> um, I would be the next... You want to actually... like If we're going to talk about the real problems in Blizzard, it's that I'm not the president because I played too much World of Warcraft. Otherwise, the sky would have been the limit, really. At least that's what my mom says. Yeah. yeah. That's accurate. <laughs> that's probably all of it. It's probably all true. So, so, yeah. What's going on with Blizzard... I guess there was a streamer, one of their uh, hired streamers, who expressed support for the ongoing protests in Hong Kong, which have been, at the time of this recording, uh, two or three months. Yeah, so uh, there's a little bit of extra backstory here. I, I used to play a lot of Hearthstone, um, mostly uh, while like at the gym, because it's a pretty easy card game to like not... It's not as in-depth as Magic the Gathering. Um, there's not as many like turn phases. Yeah, it's so annoying when you're like on the treadmill and you gotta like put out a big cardboard and put a bunch of magic cards. Yeah, on it yeah, it's, and it's... then get another person on a treadmill facing you. Well, <laughs> this is why we all have the Yu-Gi-Oh dual system, which is that little uh, oh, yeah. bracelet. Yeah, they were ahead of their just, time. Just, just to speak to Magic: The Gathering, okay? MTGA has taken a huge portion of Hearthstone's like community. Oh, They're... if we're gonna even start talking about like the competitors, like dude, Magic, Magic Arena. If it was on the phone, Hearthstone wouldn't exist. But, anyways, <laughs> the the point I'm making is that uh, Hearthstone is this this like little card game that spawned off of the it used to be called hearthstone heroes of warcraft they have since dropped that heroes of warcraft's uh subtitle because originally all the characters in hearthstone were like things you could find in world of warcraft and now they've kind of gone now it's kind of styled as like a warcraft fantasy a warcraft what if if you will it's their like they can do a bunch of like silly stuff like oh i don't know what if this character was a good guy or something uh, what if the old gods were cards etc um <clears throat> And they've done a lot of, uh, you know, fun content, but it's, it's very random. And uh, as with a lot of Blizzard games, they've been heavily pushing the competitive scene for a number of years now. Um, I remember watching kind of one of the first uh, Hearthstone World Championships, probably the second one, uh, like five years ago. And since then, they've been really, really pushing their, their competitive scene. And as any good, healthy competitive scene has... Uh, we're trying to push individual players as personalities. And then as yet the industry grows, these personalities that push you to the forefront then become burdensome on your overall company brand. So Hearthstone had this period where we had all these really weird, interesting personalities coming in, some rivalries, some real big antagonists. And then as with all things Blizzard, it eventually got parsed down to the most basic digestible parts and uh with the recent grandmaster series which is a hearthstone championship series uh blitzchung was a player that voiced support for the chinese government and it started this whole fiasco when blizzard came out and said that blitzchung so 
their official reasoning was that Hearthstone is not going to be a political platform. And their punishment was that Blitzchung was going to be banned from a year. They were going to take all of his tournament prize winnings. How much was that? Like half a million dollars. Oh, that's... No, I don't think it was that much because they just released a recanting where he got his prizing. It was like a $3,000 prize for that particular event. That's even funny. No, 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 but they were going to take his money from all the previous year's winnings. Like that they hadn't paid out yet. I don't... First of all, why hadn't they paid out? I don't know. That's such a shitty move. But the other thing is, he had won an event and was at the post-event interview for winning Mm -hmm. with two announcers... And then he voice support. But the more important thing is banning him from play for a year. That's his livelihood. Yeah. He wins events to be in the public eye so that people will watch his streams and videos and support his Patreon and support his stream and his Twitch account. And that's his business. So if they cut him off, they basically make him destitute for a year. Yeah, exactly. And, and then and, let's, let's also not forget they didn't just ban him. They banned the two interviewers. Oh, yeah. Just the people who asked. Yeah. We're just, just adjacent to him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just so, total, totally cruel. Uh, and I think it's just, uh, this is like my favorite uh, iteration of the Streisand effect. Um, just if they had just let him, like, literally, who the fuck is this guy? He <laughs> may have, like, you know, been heard by 5,000 people, probably. That would have been it. And then Blizzard would have just kept doing their thing. But instead, they had to make a big stink about it. And now, uh, how much money are they going to lose for it? You know, not to mention credibility. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing that's more important... So, like, if he had said this, and everyone's like, oh, another person supporting Hong Kong, like many actors and other influencers have done, it would have just been another drop in the bucket. But instead, by silencing him and just, like, fully coming down on him, they've created this massive uproar and narrative that's like spread throughout their entire western audience you know you have people who worked on world of warcraft publicly unsubscribing from the game they designed leaving a note to blizzard regarding this behavior you know they have um they have recanted since then um they moved him from a one-year ban to a six-month ban which is still yeah six months unemployment and they gave him the prize for that particular tournament. And then they also said that the announcers are suspended for six months for allowing him to get that far. Again, will not six months unemployment is extremely cruel. Like that's, yeah, you know, at best, like, like tens of thousands of dollars that they're losing. And and I want to know who negotiated that compromise. Where did those numbers come from? How did someone be like, Oh, we can take it back, but not all the way. Well, and, and there's, yeah, it's it's and the way the thing I really want to focus on here is that it's such a disingenuous backpedal because it's yeah, you're asking how did they come to these numbers? And these numbers are exactly the kinds of numbers that you can this is like the the Steam sale before the real Steam sale that developers like have to put their games on to be marketable. It's like a year ban, they knew everyone was going to blow up. Six month ban, people are like, oh, that's that's a little bit more reasonable. But it's still totally fucking unreasonable for a guy just expressing that he sides with a country that's trying to gain democracy. And and again, literally, who the fuck is this guy? Well, and He's it's, not it's, a politician. He's not anybody with significant influence. He's a guy who probably just browsed Reddit and saw the pictures of, and he's like, oh, that sucks, man. 
And that's all, you know. This is such a corporate fucking decision, though, because it's like, okay, we ban them for a year and then we backpedal to six months and people are going to be more happy. And like, but the, it's, it's so blind to the idea that banning a gamer from the game that is his job and I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's so ridiculous because it's not like he was advocating violence. It's not like he was going up and saying, hey, fuck this person specifically, go to their house, throw firebombs at it. Like, I could totally understand that. But this is like a guy, and yeah, I'm, I can go on a very long rant about the <laughs> Well, I think injustice. the thing that's important with the backpedal not being complete is that it's important to Blizzard Activision that there is a deterrent in place. Mm-hmm. The there has to be a consequence to this behavior in their eyes because they don't want their events becoming political platforms because it's a circus and that circus then can you know damage whatever markets they have if their gamers are offending different groups you know but here's the main thing if someone says something horrible about Donald Trump, for example, at the end of an Overwatch tournament, is the United States government going to like block Overwatch in the U.S. or sales of it? Mm-hmm. Well, no, that's and that's a really, really big point here is that if you look at and this just like further feeds into the disingenuousness of Blizzard. If you look at the post that they made to the United States, they're saying, you know, this is a divisive issue. We don't want to be talking about it. First off, it's not a fucking divisive issue to be supporting Hong Kong over mainland China. Mainland China like fucking imprisons three million people and you like or- harvests their organs. Talking about that's fucking divisive. To yeah. say that a country has the right to fight for its own democracy is not fucking divisive. You really got to okay? stay on the good side of this ethnic cleansing uh you know, totalitarian yeah. regime. Yeah, and it's like it's, but that those are those are things that you can say that like, whoa, that's like actually getting edgy. But like, just to say that the Hong Kong people deserve the right to fight for their freedom is not like fucking edgelord material, you know. Like, and then and then you look at the blizzard, the the blizzard's response in China, and they said we will do what is necessary to defend our country. Like, they're totally trying to buy into this idea that we are mainland China, we are your company, we this is our country. And it's, it's just so, I, we're getting two different messages from two different, it's like, it's like, it seriously feels like I just found out that like my ex was still, my, my girlfriend's still talking to her ex and I'm looking at her phone and she's like, ah, oh, I really miss you. And then she's telling me that like, oh, that guy's such an asshole. I'm just trying to get my CDs out of his car. Like she's, it's, they're just fucking playing both sides. It's so ridiculous. Well, I think it, it is tough that they are playing both sides, but the important thing for me is that there's a Chinese company that owns 5% of, like, Vivendi Games, Blizzard Activision. They have a 5% stake in the company, which is 1 20th. But also the last two major releases and the forefront of the last um, BlizzCom was Diablo Immortal and Call of Duty Mobile. Those are two huge mobile games, you know, being released into the Chinese mobile-obsessed market. And they are, like, top-downloaded. Like, that's what they're currently concentrating on. Anyone who's been playing WoW for the last four years, like me, has seen time after time, month after month, Blizzard take away resources from that game. They redistribute their main creative people to other games. They go to Overwatch. They go to Hearthstone. They leave the company. You know, we used to have one class designer per class in WoW. I think we have, like, a handful for all 12 classes now. There's things like that. You can feel the focus go away from you and i guess little blizzard fanboys sit there and they go blizzard do you love me still and blizzard's like 
it's okay. Here's an expansion. Shut up. We're gonna go do what we're gonna go do. Yeah, here's yeah. mechanomes yeah. and fox fox boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Here's here's some fox boys. It took our our team, you know, however long, whatever. This has been in the barrel since the beginning of the expansion, and I can feel they like design it and they have things just locked and loaded to keep people, you know, interested. And from a company standpoint, it absolutely makes sense because China represents what like a billion and a half people. Like, you know, even 1% of that population, if they play your mobile game, that's going to be so much fucking money. And, you know, this is all just very representative of the fact that gamers are too dumb to know that they hate capitalism because (laughs) they're like, you know, obviously it's going to prioritize money over creating a piece of art, Mm -hmm. not to imply that, uh, call of duty mobile is a piece of art. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, Oh, sorry. Continue. Yeah, Blizzard built their reputation on being one of the only companies that actually finished and polished games through an entire era of like early 2000s, 2010 games that just came out incomplete and yeah. were never finished. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they did. But now they're they're taking that reputation and they're just cashing in nostalgia in their Western market and they're focusing on new things, which is their right to do. But they have to expect their fan base to yeah. lash out. And people, I mean, people can easily forget that Blizzard, they, they weren't really the first one to do like a lot of the things that they did. But if you look at their games, they are such polished versions of previous concepts. Like World of Warcraft, not by the first MMO by far. And yeah. WoW Classic, a lot of problems. But if you look at the playability of World of Warcraft versus the playability of EverQuest, like World of Warcraft is so much more playable. And I mean, like just like, the flight paths that will lead you through the world, giving you these windows into these areas, give you such a greater sense of this larger world that really sucked players like me in who were gamers, but not that level of hardcore gamers. I mean, there's so much of the gaming market that exists now because of the innate playability of games like Diablo 2, of World of Warcraft, of Warcraft 3. Warcraft 3, not the first game to have custom map settings. Warcraft 3, not the first game to let you build bases, to have these hero units. But if you try to sit someone down and say, like, hey, here's Warcraft 3, here's how you, you click the peons and have them do the harvesting, and you compare that to, like, I don't know, Red Alert 2, Warcraft 3 is a way easier to comprehend game with a lot uh with a lot of simpler design but also like a surprising amount of depth and i mean i I remember playing uh red alert 2 yuri's revenge there was this like mod called the moo man's rule mod that i loved and like the process i'd have to go through to like install that mod and get it to work was like 20 percent of the time my computer would explode like and the fact that they had this integrated mod system in warcraft 3 is really really like you can't downplay that and I, I would say that, you know, Matt, Matt over here has been subscribed to World of Warcraft probably for the last 15 years or something like that. Uh, personally, like, I was such a huge Blizzard fan that the amount that they had to fall in quality to lose me as a fan can't be understated. Yeah. I would say the main thing is Blizzard is kind of reaping the rewards of cornering a lot of the genre markets. They went and they looked at all the gaming genres and then they did it better. You know, they like cornered RTS and then they went into MMO, they crushed EverQuest and they batted off like, I remember like 
dozens of other MMOs that tried to compete with them over the years. And every time one came out, they took the best idea from it, they incorporated it, and they obliterated it. And now they did that, and then they were like, oh, TFT, TFT looks like a good game. Let's do it way better. Let's polish it crazy. Let's make a competitive scene. And Overwatch comes out as their flagship game with all this new globalization and amazing animation. And so they go and they kill these markets. But Blizzard isn't even doing that anymore. I mean, Battle Royale comes out. They didn't bat an eye. No one moved for it. Well, they don't have to because they've, you know, we've all, every major gaming company, and even, I I would say all of them as a whole, give or take, uh, have, we've kind of reached the event horizon of, games no longer as you know a work of art but as just something that is farming money so you know they have their cash cows why would they need to waste more money you know it's no, like I, uh, I think that i think that matt's matt's right here because you look at um overwatch and it, like overwatch did not crush the market the same way that world of warcraft crushed, crushed the MMO market yeah. we're still seeing a plethora of competitive online team-based shooters coming out and they're doing pretty fine. I mean, Paladins still does well. There's a number of competitive online shooters. And then, um, you know, you look at Heroes of the Storm tried to come out to crush the MOBA market and it, I I would say failed completely. Yeah, no, Heroes of the Storm was a huge failure because they canceled the pro scene. The game never saw the cloud. I mean, they were going up against Riot who was just doing everything in their power to be the lead, you know, MOBA game. But the thing that I've realized over time is I think Blizzard's kind of tired of competing in the Western market. The Western market has gotten so much more sophisticated, and there's all these other companies that are really powerful, and they concentrate on one game and take care of their one game's audience, and they just look over to the eastern market and it's like who can even compare to blizzard's level of design and programming over there well and we have to we also have to realize that even though like presently blizzard makes way more money in the west than they do in the east the development cost for games for the chinese market is like so much fucking lower because uh they're first off a lot of people are playing on like less good rigs so there's a game in china uh it's created by a korean company uh called smilegate it's called crossfire and it's got six and a half million active players. It's the biggest shooter in the world. I was at E3 uh, this year and they were talking about Crossfire. The biggest shooter in the world is coming to Xbox. And the whole stadium was like, what game? No one in the West has ever fucking heard of it. But it's this game that you can play on like a potato. And like, ev- so everyone with a, like basically like two rocks to clack together and the sparks will like make the shape of a, of a gunshot plays Crossfire. This is the 2007 <laughs> game? Yeah. Everyone plays Crossfire. It's, it, it's the largest shooter ever created. Huh. And, um, and so like you're looking towards a mark, like Diablo Immortal is is a mobile game and i guarantee you the development cost of diablo immortal versus diablo 3 is probably one tenth and they're looking at it and saying hey even if we make half the money we made with diablo 3 we're still making way more in the back end because our development costs are so low well the other thing about those phone games is once they build the right you know microtransaction model it's going to be another way of making money a lot of times blizzard 
can sometimes struggle to monetize games and a big portion of their business model especially in their western audience is they have to get you to log back in and invest time and energy in their games and i don't know if you felt this but keeping up with a blizzard game these days is like a full-time job it's exhausting it's exhausting like hearthstone is exhausting to keep up with the sets come out the cards the amount it costs you can't even get the ones you're looking for you know just magic the gathering arena has a wild card system where you can just pick the cards you want very specifically very quickly and so they allow players to just immediately build an electronic version of the deck they plan on playing in real life like that's what their models around but when i go into hearthstone I could spend eternities trying to get to where I need to go. And I like to play those games for free because I do have the free time and I want to like grind my way out. But there's just no way to it. Like yeah. I dropped from raiding in WoW because I can't keep up with it. Like I can't. Yeah, like I played Hearthstone and I was like, I was playing it probably two hours a day for the entire Goblins versus Gnomes expansion, which is long time ago now. And I was like, I got all the cards. I had the older cards as well. I was really loving it. Then another expansion came out and I was like, I was, I was really on the Hearthstone train until like I got a little bit of a life. And like I basically what happened is like I got sober. I stopped playing as many video games because I was focusing on my job and my life. I couldn't play Hearthstone as much anymore. Uh, another thing is that like, the company I was working for had like a filter on their Wi-Fi, so I couldn't play like that card game, other card games I could <laughs> play. But apparently they had a Hearthstone problem, so they blocked that. Um, and I couldn't play it as much anymore, and I rapidly found myself unable to have any fun in the game because the amount of economic investment I'd have to put in to make a functional deck was just like too damn high. Um, they made the legendaries too strong. Uh, it's like the old model of Hearthstone is that there was a couple legendaries that were like really baller, but most of them just like did weird shit. Um, like one of the original legendaries in Hearthstone was a card uh, called Nosdormu that instead of having like two minutes to take your turn, you had 15 seconds for both players. Like, and that's not strong. It's, it's funny. just funny. Yeah. So there was a lot of cards like that. Um, and it, it was, I, I, I really, enjoyed the the gameplay back when I wasn't trying to take it seriously as a as a competitive gamer but you know blizzard games nowadays like Matt says it's it's like a full time job to be involved i mean i can't their most entry level game at this point is probably um overwatch or heroes of the storm because heroes of the storm is not that hard to get into but um you know you jump into a game of overwatch and unless you know everywhere, like if you don't know the places where Sniper Lady Widowmaker can do her jumps up to to get like this like angle on you and you don't know how to cover that, you're like going to have a bad time. Yeah. Well, I mean, Overwatch, like any shooter, you're just going to get shot in the head like 300 times before you figure anything out. But it does have de-emphasized aiming and you do get the entire roster when you purchase the game. That game is the most easy to get into the m issue with overwatch isn't the entry level it's the toxic community that's their problem and that's its own like special little animal but like blizzard must realize that not a lot of new people you know i have a lot of access to gen z people being a teacher and they don't have any interest in like world of warcraft like that's this weird old game that like their uncle plays. Mm -hmm. They're just like whatever, you know. They're into Fortnite and Minecraft and all these other games that are like pick up and play on my tablet. 
and that's what they're doing. But Blizzard has this large aging fan base that has jobs now and kids now and stuff to do. And very few of their games, you know, are the type of game where you can log in for two hours a week and have, you know, a really good time playing at the level they used to play. And that's why people on sub. Like, that's the thing, it. is that Blizzard used to make those games. Warcraft 3, I, as I said, I loved because of the custom map settings. And one of the reasons people, like kids, love Fortnite is because they drop in and every game's different. You can do these weird modifiers. They have these silly modes. There's a mode right now where you can play as Batman. There was a mode before where you could play as Thanos. Oh, that's so cool. You, yeah. Wow, well, cool. But it's it's that's the thing, is if you're looking at gameplay for a differentiation of experience every time, and as kids, all kids have ADD. It's just true. And they just want to see new things all the time. It's because of fluoride in the water. But that's Check the thing. Check out www.truvax.com. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was on the Blizzard is Evil bandwagon back when StarCraft II came out. Because the StarCraft II custom map settings were like abysmal. There were no tower defense. StarCraft II didn't spawn Dota 3. StarCraft II didn't spawn a new wave of tower defense. And I, I, I went back and tried to play some of the StarCraft II custom maps probably a year ago. And they were all shit. Like, they were abysmal. And I'm like, wait, you've lost the idea of why I played your games. But the community got used to it. And that's the pattern that it's going to take. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, I think one of the big takeaways from this is that it's the first time the American market is realizing that they're not the main target. And why would they be? They're a third the size of China, uh, much less Asia as a whole. So... Why would Blizzard care about them more so than the others? This is all about gaining as much profit as possible. There's no one person doing it. It's a massive Gordian knot of, you know, experts uh, and developers and advertisers all pushing in different directions, trying to just absorb as much money as possible. I got uh, Steinbeck on hand. We're sorry, it's not us. It's the monster. The bank isn't like a man. Yes, but the bank is only made of men. No, you're wrong there. Quite wrong there. The bank is something else than man. It happens when every man in a bank hates what the bank does, and yet the bank does it. The bank is something more than men, I can tell you. It's a monster. Men made it, and they can't control it. You know, it's... How many shareholders do you think Blizzard has? At least four. At least four. And they're all just probably... Okay, well, realistically, probably hundreds and thousands. Yeah. Yeah, but I'd say ninety percent of them have never played a video game in their life, uh, and you know they don't care about creating a good experience. They care about farming as much money as possible, and that's what games are going to be from now on. And we can't forget that you know Matt brought up the Call of Duty. It's not Blizzard anymore. It's Activision Blizzard. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's actually Vivendi Games owning Activision and Blizzard. What else do they... Is it going to be like Coca-Cola and Pepsi where there's just two video game companies that own all of the video game companies on Earth? I mean, it has been for a while. I mean, hasn't EA been collecting video game companies, chewing them up and spitting them out? The funny thing is that EA gets a lot of shit, but like you look at... They're the same damn... Everybody's the same. It's all the same. they're 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 like the vanilla Dark Lord. You know, like everyone's like, oh, EA makes FIFA and they just keep pumping out the same game every year. But they're like, yeah, we're the FIFA guys. Like we make FIFA. If you're not yeah, happy, don't play FIFA. Like we, we make the Madden, we make the FIFA, we, we make the Medal of Honor. 
here's Apex Legends. Every once in a while, they come out with like an Apex Legends, and everyone's like, whoa, EA actually can make games every once in a while. And like, but like Blizzard is like, hey, let's let's consistently erode this idea of what a Blizzard game is until it's 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 trash. I feel like that's just a side effect of being a gamer. It's that it just erodes your consciousness because like I'll play a video game and not remember like for hours and then like I'll try and think of like what I did and it's like oh I just was playing you know it's the same thing for what the gaming companies do it's like oh well yeah this company has been shitty for you know two decades uh, but they release this new cool one I'm gonna go get it uh, this company's great now <laughs> we're all just idiots well, I, we're all just I, fucking I think- morons just trying to you know escape into some dumb virtual world to ignore the you know tragedy that is all of our lives i think that that is true but i do feel a little bit of a shifting in the western audience not quite being so gullible and buying into things like pre-releases and stuff because what i've looked at as i've gotten more and more soured over time with blizzard feeling like blizzard's ex you know girlfriend and He's moved on, and I'm just looking at his Facebook posts as he's dating, you know, other places. Uh, <laughs> is the revival of Dungeons and Dragons and Magic: The Gathering because those two games have taken a hold of Twitch, like publicity, celebrities, and now there's just—I mean, you look everywhere. There's a D&D podcast or a D&D recording with you know actors on mm-hmm. college humors dropout there's other ones all over the place you've got you know professional voice actors running campaigns and it's reaching to the point where now i have students who are like can we have a D club i mean think about this game is how old yeah you know and they're like we want a D club will you run it after school you know we want to do that and then magic the gathering looks at D do it and they're like oh yeah let's do that in the exact same way and they get like the super like hunky werewolf from true blood to play magic the gathering on youtube with day nine and i basically died who's know? the hunky werewolf what's his name um joe magna Mag- i can't say his like magna yellow i'm so sorry joe no, massive abs joe he was in um magic mike and true blood and which one of the hunky boys was he in that show <laughs> <laughs> on a scale of hunk, was he like Twinkie hunk or like manly hunk? He was manly. He was the werewolf. He was manly hunk. Yeah, like was... Harry, Harry dad. Harry hot dad. Hot Harry dad. Yeah. And, you know, you've got people from Mythbusters playing, you know, card games and just all sorts of different things. So people are just like, you know what? Hang up your video games, your uncompleted bullshit, and I'm going to go play D&D where I can control my gaming experience. And I don't need, you know your your fees and your subscriptions and i'm just going to connect with my friends and do it that way and i mean that's been part of things for a while yeah and and i think that you know as much as jesse over here likes to shit on Fortnite and other such games for children like they're not for us but no. we were once the people that had to find our version of Fortnite to get us in for sure to the world of gaming i mean there's always been like two it's, it's not the kids who enjoy it that i have a problem with you yeah. know, it's the companies and their malicious practices to, like, you know, get kids to buy loot crates with their parents' credit cards and shit like that. Yeah, and I think that, um, 
I don't know. Fortnite is a completely different conversation, and I think that if we're going to be talking about like the evils of capitalism, like it, it all it all feeds into each other. But I, I, yeah. I this is a spe- like this particular example of Blizzard with the Chinese thing is particularly egregious because what we're talking about is showing support for another country asking for its democratic freedom and a Western company saying, no, you can't do that. Like if Blizzard was a Chinese company censoring a Chinese person in their system, it would still be bad, but it wouldn't seem so egregious. Like this is, we are supposed to be, and I know that we're not, by the way, I want to preface this with, I know that we're not, but we're supposed to be the beacon of freedom and democracy in the West. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> Jesse's like stifling his laughter. over. I here. mean, uh, and that's something I find really funny because uh, just like the Chinese pro- uh, Hong Kong protesters being like asking America for help. It's very reminiscent of when Ho Chi Minh uh, went to Woodrow Wilson was like, can you help me with this, this problem? We're trying to gain independence. And, uh, got a lot of bombs dropped in their country in return. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, time is a flat circle. Um, America is going to colonize Hong Kong. Yeah, but if you don't don't know what the Hong Kong protests are, look into them. Uh, Hong Kong was, is a a province, it's an island that was previously owned by uh, the British government up until, uh, I think it was maybe... 2009? I can't remember. They had like a 99-year lease on it. So, yeah. And it got transitioned know. back to the Chinese government. I'm not going to pretend I know anything about it. Right. And since then, the, 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 the Chinese government has been asserting more and more control over Hong Kong, which is why you get this idea of the mainland versus Hong Kong. And um, the people of Hong Kong are basically... And there's two sides to this debate, of course. There are some people in Hong Kong that really like want to be part of mainland. There are some people in Hong Kong that really don't, as we can tell, because millions of them are on the streets. But these are a people expressing their democratic, their desire for democratic freedom in a system that does not allow for such dissent. And there was a guy who goes onto a Hearthstone tournament, a fucking video game tournament, and says, I stand with these people and the result is to be silenced. Now, you can say that Blizzard, as a capitalist company, has the right to do whatever it wants. And you know what? It does. But what message is it sending that a Western company is specifically silencing a person from the area that is is being that they're basically working in conjunction with the high Chinese government to censor their own citizens when they could just say no and then lose the Chinese market. But they are very clearly taking the side of we'd rather have that market than stand up for any kind of ideals and is it too much to ask for a fucking company to have ideals i guess so i mean in a perfect world blizzard would just prefer that no one said anything political at any event affiliated with them but when someone does it kind of forces them to make a choice they either do nothing and china goes what the hell or they do something and america goes what the hell in a perfect (laughs) that's that's what they're that's the choice they're faced with so they they made a choice and then i guess they're finally a little scared of what you know the western market did because they had two congressmen condemning them yeah 
you know, you got got con- congressmen condemning you. You've got actual people who designed your game unsubbing from it. You've got the entire Western, and you know they think that, you know, they they just want out. Like they they particularly just wish this would never happen. I don't think you know Blizzard really is making any decisions based on anything but how do we just end this? How do we not lose money? And how do we just stop this from being in the news? And so the, I think that's why they did the halfway backpedal. They're like, maybe if we soften the punch, everyone will stop talking about this. I mean, and I think it's that we don't. They'll be fine. They're going to lose like 1% stock value. It'll bounce back immediately. Um, no, I don't yeah. think so, man. I, I really don't. I think that this is not necessarily the herald of the end times, but it's it's building upon previous disenfranchisement with the franchise, with the, with the Blizzard. I've said this for a while, is that a lot of Blizzard games like Diablo 3... Um, they got popular based on the shiny, glistening name of Blizzard and that the actual quality of the game doesn't stack up. Bl- Torchlight 2 Diablo 3 came out at the same time, and it's pretty obvious that Torchlight 2 is a better game than Diablo 3. And a lot of people were saying it back then, and now it's like as Blizzard becomes less of the shiny beacon of look at our, our cool games. I mean, Matt is the biggest fucking Blizzard fanboy that I know. Like, we make fun of him for it, and like... and. And when he's sitting here saying, like, dude, their games aren't as good as they used to be, like, that's a thing. Yeah. No, just, like, 2018 was not a good year for Blizzard. <laughs> just all the things that went down was just bad headline after bad headline. And looking backwards, I mean, the real thing that started with Americans and Europeans not enjoying Blizzard was when they merged with Activision. That was around Wrath of the Lich King and World mm-hmm. of Warcraft because everything in my life is around what expansion was I playing? <laughs> and the expansion afterwards, Cataclysm, showed a different idea. You know, Blizzard concentrated on bringing new people into the game and lowering the floor of entry and smoothing things out. But as they continued to work through and make changes, they were kind of forgetting you know, who they already had. And that's kind of how it is. It's like, it's like, Oh, taking things for granted. That's yeah, just what they're absolutely. doing. Absolutely. Every- it's, it's not about keeping the customers you have. It's about endless growth, which of course is impossible. There's a, there's going to be a, a peak. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, until they reach it, uh, they're just going to keep trying. So no, I think they have reached it. I hope so. Inshallah. <laughs> I mean, it's like yeah. that's the, way, the only way for them to grow is to move into new markets, and then they alienate their old ones. But they say, "Hey, look, we have all this growth in the Chinese market." But I, I don't, I don't see the the thing is, is that a lot of Chinese game devs want to move out of China because at the end of the day, a lot of game designers, and I, I don't want to sound, I we, we've been very negative in this portion, but most game developers are like people that like want to make games. You know, and then they they get their soul crushed out of them. Yeah, put into the uh, the big like a little a little boy soul. doesn't like go playing like you know his baby's first Counter Strike and think you know I want to make and then he like starts going to the custom map class like that's what I did as a kid is like I, I made custom maps. Yeah. Um, Gorsh, I really love these microtransactions. I hope I get to be a part of this someday. Yeah, I, I remember I made a mic I made a Counter Strike map. Um, this is like in the era before like today with all the school shooters so like i made a counter-strike map out of my like middle school just because i like thought it would be cool hey here's something funny they're making at a high school i know to, to be, be school shooter proof i know this is yeah ridiculous. but 
like that's just like now like we're making video game maps of shooters into schools <laughs> <laughs> but anyways like the point of making high cover all the good stuff everything but, you need <laughs> yeah but like i got into video games because like i loved video games you know like i do this because i love it not because of the millions of dollars that obviously are rolling into my bank account every day so that helps yeah that helps but excuse me um game like game designers are like humans that like want to have the best like their best artistic vision come to life and i i think that as they move more into ca- tailoring to the chinese market and creating these microtransaction games it's going to be harder and harder to attract talented devs and I, I, this is the exact same situation that happened with you know a game like league of legends league of legends started with a very small team fucking great game it ballooned i remember back when i was uh going to college like a lot of people i knew that were graduating from college at the time were getting jobs at riot they ballooned to like a 500 person company and i knew people that were like i was like what do you do at riot they're like i don't know (laughs) they just like didn't know what they did there anymore and then they had to shrink down again because that's just the, the the cycle of mismanagement that's so endemic to the industry but um like you have trouble attracting truly talented visionary people which is what blizzard used to be was like a really talented visionary group of developers now i would say the most talented people at blizzard are the people that make their cutscenes because they always have fucking awesome cutscenes. Hey, there's a topic yeah, for next time uh, give of, uh, video game developers yeah video game someone, developer reviews should be our topic next time matt you're saying someone give those, someone give those cutscene editors a raise i think they're probably the only like part of blizzard that is is happy and content they probably feed them all the gold did you know the, the troll the, that uh, makes their uh their their cutscenes? <laughs> what i was looking at the blizzard timeline and they boasted that diablo 2's cutscenes were submitted for academy award consideration that's real depressing no they're really good i mean they have oh, great diablo 2 oh yeah those are great diablo 2 Diablo 2, that was back when, you know, that animation was grounded. But, you know, I, I, I want to wrap this up because we need to get into the interview here because um, Chris is in Poland and I think it's four in the morning there or something. Um, and uh, I just want to say that, you know, the three of us, I, I, I wanted to bring together on this topic for, for three different perspectives on this. And Matt over there is the Blizzard fanboy. Uh, Jesse over here is the staunch anti-capitalist. Uh, with Steinbeck quotes just like on hand. I'm actually a Posadist. I think uh, we should nuke everybody and then just hope aliens help us out. Nice. Um, personally, and, and my, my, I really know like expertise in life outside of being a, a heartless marketing shill for a very long time. But you know, one of the things that has given me is an expertise in how to do press releases, how to manage a message, how to. Uh, and the signs that a company is trying to hide their product. So it's like, you know, if, if a very obvious one is if a game doesn't get, if the embargo for a game is like 12 hours before the game actually launches, that's a bad sign. Um, so one of the things I noticed about this backpedal from Blizzard is that I found out about it while I was taking a shit at 5 p.m. on a Friday. And that's when the press release came out. It's like 5 p.m. on a Friday is when a company will drop information that they want just to get out there so they can make a statement without anyone discussing it. Because that's when major news outlets will have time to go, oh, we got to post this. But everyone's going home to their families. Everyone's going home from work from the office. And they don't have time to do a deep critical dive on 
what the fuck the announcement's about. So they just put it out there. No one has time to discuss it. And then everyone goes home. And that's, and that's what they did with this. They don't actually want a conversation about this. They want it to die as quickly as possible, which, I mean, makes sense from an economic standpoint, but from the standpoint of a company that's trying to come out here and say, hey, we, we might have fucked up, but here's our... If they had a point, if they had a real point here with, hey, we need to moderate our own game, we need to make sure that doesn't become a political platform to people spout off crazy shit, we need to do something, they could release that statement earlier, back when they first made the original statement, and not jump it at 5 p.m. on a Friday when they know no major outlets are going to be discussing it. All the conduits for discussion are, are closed. And the and you compare that with their Chinese announcement of saying, we're going to defend our country from, you know, it's just, it's so clear that they don't actually give a shit. And that's, that's it. It's like, this is sad because this and, is a company. And why would they? Because yeah. you're supposed to play games for fun. And we're well, supposed I to know. That's why we do it. But why would they care about that? Because Fun isn't a profitable thing. Well, because this is a company that, you know, me as a kid, their games were designed for gamers. They were they were polished. They were they clearly cared about their product for a very long time. And now it's like they don't care about their product, they care about their bottom line. And that's that's sad. And uh Anyways, on that happy note, we're going to move on to the interview section. Either of you have any closing points? Matt, you have a closing point. Jesse, Matt, you go first. Um, I'll just say that, you know, the the landscape of gaming has, you know, been changing for a long time. And it is it is disappointing to see, you know, all these different companies kind of sour and look towards marketing. But it makes sense, you know. They're trying to grow and make their business and share. But when... <laughs> I've reached a point now as like a 30 year old man. I only trust like Nintendo main titles to be, you know, works of art. It's a little depressing. That's just where I'm at. Uh, my closing thought, um, you know, nationalize the gaming industry, uh, send all the executives to the Hague, Bobby Cockdick, uh, Activision CEO, uh, was on little St. James it's all connected. <laughs> it's all crept. My long friend, time friend, and she's a friend. She's been my friend in and out of public life. My long, long, long friend. Long, long, long friend. My long, 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 long friend. <laughs>